Welcome to Main Menu for the week of June 15 to June 22nd, 2012. I'm your host, David Tanner, here on Main Menu, and we are very glad to have you with us today on Main Menu. Hope you are having an enjoyable summer and getting a lot of nice sun time and uh, getting to get out and enjoy the summer and get some suntan and some water and have a great time. We have coming up here in about three weeks from today, the ACB National Convention this year at Louisville at the Galt House in downtown Louisville. If you're there, hey, come look us up. We'll be around. And uh, just by a mention, we haven't totally made up our mind, but there is a good chance that I will be hosting a welcome to main menu introduction to main menu and reception one evening during the convention so you might want to check on that we will if we do have the setup before the convention we will announce it here on main menu otherwise check it out in the convention announcements we would love to have you come and and i'd love to get to meet you and and greet you and talk to you about what you think about main menu and maybe some get some suggestions from you about other things you'd like to cover here on main menu and we always like to hear those suggestions and i'm not going to talk about a whole lot of other things about how you can keep in touch with us at main menu because you're going to hear that in a promo here a little bit on the show today and otherwise on the show today we have chase crispin our executive producer for main menu and Chase will be here with a weekly tech update, a uh, fairly short one, but um, about a four-minute update. And then after that, we'll hear yours truly. We'll be interviewing Michael Kern, the primary developer, or one of the primary developers from Envy Access, and we will be talking about the latest release of NVDA screen reader for your Windows machine, and we'll talk about the new things in NVDA. We're going to talk a little bit even about what's coming up in NVDA in Windows 8. And I think you are really going to be excited about what we are going to have for a free screen reader in Windows 8. So be sure you stay tuned for that. And we will get into that pretty soon. And then finally, our last presentation David Woodbridge from Vision Australia comes in and he's going to introduce us to an app for your Mac machine, for your Apple Mac. And with this app, you can actually Bluetooth connect to your iOS phone or your iPad or your iTouch and be able to use your Mac to type on the iPhone. And it's pretty neat and pretty simple to do. And if you don't have you know some kind of an external keyboard 
this would certainly be a great help for those times when you want to write a document and just not writing some short text message or something or an email. This is a pretty neat app, and I think you'll want to hear about that. That's all here on Main Menu this day, and you have a great week. We'll be back here next week with some more exciting news and views. Have a great week. And here is Main Menu. All of us here on the Main Menu team consider your thoughts, questions, suggestions, and any other feedback that you may have very important. To interact with us on the show, you can send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. If you would like to find past show archives and more information about Main Menu, you can visit our website at mainmenu.acbradio.org. If you would like to interact with us on Twitter and see all the latest show news, you can follow us by visiting www.twitter.com slash mainmenu or by following at mainmenu. If you would like to receive show announcements in your inbox and interact with other Main Menu listeners, you can subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list by sending a blank email to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. If you're interested in other ACB Radio programming besides Main Menu, you can learn more about ACB Radio by visiting www.acbradio.org. If you would like to receive Main Menu as a weekly podcast, you can do so by subscribing to the Main Menu podcast feed with the URL http slash 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 rss You can also hear us by subscribing to Main Menu in the iTunes Store or by finding us in the iBlink radio app made by Serotech for iOS and Android-powered devices. Finally, we are heard on radio reading services from all over the world. The radio reading service in your state or country may already be carrying Main Menu every week. If you would like to receive announcements about the latest ACB Radio programming news, including Main Menu, you can subscribe to the ACB Radio announce-only mailing list by sending an email to announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. Finally, if you would like to interact with listeners of all ACB Radio programs, you can subscribe to the ACB Radio Friends List by sending a blank email to friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. Anytime that you have any comments, questions, or suggestions that you would like us to hear, please get in touch with us. Welcome to Tech Update, a technology news segment heard on ACB Radio's Main Menu and Accessible World's Tech Talk. Hello, Main Menu and Tech Talk. This is Chase Crispin with the Tech Update for the week of June 11th, 2012. The Non-Visual Desktop Access, or NVDA screen reader, is something that I've been mentioning almost every time I do a Tech Update. This week we actually have two new NVDA releases. 
Last week I mentioned that NVDA version 2012.2 was in a release candidate. Very shortly after I posted Tech Update to be aired on Main Menu and Tech Talk last week, the final version of NVDA 2012.2 was released. For those of you who didn't try out the betas or the release candidates of this release, New is a built-in installer and portable creation feature, a feature for doing automatic updates, announcement of graphics and Microsoft Word, support for the new Metro-style apps in Windows 8, and many bug fixes. A few days after the release of NVDA 2012.2, NV Access makers of this screen reader released NVDA 2012.2.1. This did not add any new features, but fixed many security vulnerabilities by upgrading Python, the programming language that powers NVDA, to version 2.7.3. If you haven't already done so, please upgrade to NVDA 2012.2.1 today. If you're running a previous version of NVDA 2012.2, you should be able to use the Check for Updates feature to upgrade. To learn more about these updates or about this free and open source screen reader, you can visit www.nvda-project.org. On Monday, June 11th, Apple hosted their annual keynote at the WWDC, or Worldwide Developers Conference. They announced many updates to their product line, including updates to the MacBook Air and MacBook Pro line, by adding USB 3.0 ports, increasing the processor, and a few other enhancements these are now shipping today. Apple also announced their new laptop, which is referred to as the MacBook Pro with Retina display. This includes Thunderbolt ports, USB 3.0 ports, up to 768GB of internal flash storage, a better processor, a high-definition camera to use with FaceTime, very high-quality speakers, a very high-quality internal microphone, a backlit keyboard, and a lot more. This is Apple's high-end laptop, and the price starts at $2,199. This laptop is also shipping today, and if you'd like to learn more about this high-end MacBook Pro with Retina display, you can visit apple.com. Apple also announced their next operating system. This is something we've been hearing about for a while, but they officially announced it and gave the details of Mac OS 10.8, known as Mountain Lion. This is the successor to Mac OS 10.7 Lion. This includes integration with Twitter throughout the system, addition of the Messages, Reminders, and Notes app found on iOS, the ability to store documents in the cloud, and the ability to sync data between all of the built-in Apple apps among all of your Apple devices. Any Mac that you purchase today, such as the new MacBook Pro with Retina Display, will be upgraded to Mountain Lion for free. Existing Macs will be upgraded to Mountain Lion for $20. Apple also announced the new operating system for the iPhone, iPod Touch, and iPad, known as iOS 6. This includes Facebook integration, a new passbook feature where you can set all of your airline, restaurant, and movie tickets and any other type of tickets you have in the device, and it can show you those tickets and boarding passes on your screen. It also includes an ability to put your phone in do not disturb mode so you can't receive calls, and there are a lot of new features. This is in beta right now with iOS beta testers and will be released later this year. There is no word yet of the new iPhone or any other rumored new hardware. Apple has also quietly updated a few other products, such as the high-end desktop, the Mac Pro, but these were not announced at WWDC. All the information about all of these new Apple products can be found at www.apple.com, or you can visit your local Apple retail store to find out all of this information. Now that we've talked about the latest NVDA updates and the latest updates from Apple, that will conclude the tech update for Main Menu and Tech Talk for the week of June 11th, 2012. I'm Chase Crispin. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's tech update. If you have suggestions for next week's tech update, please email chase at acbradio.org.
On July 1st, 2012, Full Power affiliates of the top four commercial television broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC located in the top 25 television markets must provide four hours per week of video-described prime time and or children's programming. On July 1, 2015, such affiliates serving the top 60 markets will provide video description with the same stipulation. On July 1, 2012, cable and satellite providers with 50,000 or more subscribers must provide four hours per week video described prime time and or children's programming on each of the top five national non-broadcast networks. Currently, the top five non-broadcast networks are USA, Disney Channel, TNT, Nickelodeon, and TBS. By July 1, 2013, the Commission must initiate an inquiry on video description and report to Congress one year after initiating that inquiry. Not before two years after completing this report, the Commission may increase requirements by up to 75% from four to seven hours per week for televised video programming. The Commission does not require but expects that programmers, stations, and systems will provide information to viewers about the availability of video description on certain programs in an accessible manner, including on their websites and with companies that publish television listings information. Viewers may file complaints with the Commission about a failure to comply with the video description rules by any reasonable means, such as by letter, fax, phone, email, or through the Commission's web portal, http www.fcc.gov forward slash complaints. ACB has been very involved in working to restore and increase described TV broadcasts. For more information, contact the American Council of the Blind National Office at 1-800-424-8666. I am very pleased to have with me today on Main Menu, Mr. Michael Kern from NV Access. Michael is one of the lead developers on the NVDA, Non-Visual Desktop Access Screen Reader. And we are very happy to have Michael with us again to talk to us about the latest release of the NVDA Screen Reader. And thank you for coming on with us, Michael. Thanks for having me again. Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, we've just released, as of um, Friday, June 8, we've released NVDA 2012.2, uh, which is the second release this year. And um, this is a pretty big, I guess, a pretty big release in regards to sort of the overall package of, of NVDA. Um, there's, there's a few interesting new features as well, but but mainly it, it's really about um, the, the packaging of NVDA and and how you'll be able to receive updates to NVDA in the future, but I'll go into each of those separately. So the first thing that many people will notice is that there is now only one package of NVDA. We used to have a portable version, an installer version, that you would have to, when you go to our website, you would have to choose you know, which one you wanted. Now there's, there's just only, um, only one main package. And this package, when you download it and run it, it starts a temporary copy of NVDA and straight away will ask you whether you want to install it onto your computer or whether you want to make a portable copy or whether you want to just continue to use uh, NVDA as is. So if you choose to install it, 
It comes up with a very simple dialogue which just asks you two questions, which you can, in fact, ignore. Um, they're just whether you want it to run on uh, the logon screen or whether you want the desktop, desktop shortcut to be created. But other than that, you just press continue and it installs for you. And I must say, it's, it's, it's certainly a lot faster than what our, what our old installer used to be. Um, so for those who are a bit technical, we've, we've integrated the installer right inside MVDA now. It's actually all built into MVDA. We don't rely on uh, any sort of third-party installer software, um, which gives us a lot more control. It's easier for um, translators to, to get it into different languages and all that kind of stuff. So it's really beneficial. Um, so that's that's the how to install it. To you can from this dialog as well. You can create a portable copy now, and um, that's really easy to do. When you press that, it just asks you um, where to create the portable copy. So you can either type in the path manually, or you can press the browse button and go and choose where you want it. It asks you one or two other questions just about whether you want to copy your user. Uh, well, actually, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, there may be some other options, but in general, you just press uh, continue and it will go on its merry way and create your portable copy. So the idea really is that people will just download one copy of NVIDIA from the website, but they're free to go and you know install it on whatever machine they like or they can create portables. And it's a lot easier than doing this sort of manually what you used to have to do. Um, also... I should mention that once MVDA is actually installed, you are able to create portable copies right from that MVDA as well. So if you have an installed copy of MVDA, all you need to do is go to the tools menu and then create portable copy and you can create a portable copy. Same thing goes for portable copies. You can also install those as well. So say for instance, you have a version, you have a portable copy of MVDA 2012.2 on your system, uh, sorry, on maybe a USB flash drive or something like that and you go to a friend's house and they want to install it, well, great, just start MVDA off your flash drive, go to tools and install MVDA, and they've got it. So it integrates the whole thing into sort of, you know, one 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 version, one concept. And so you can do everything from all the versions. So um, so that's really the, the repackaging side of things. The next thing, which uh, a lot of people will be excited about, because I, I know they've been asking for it for a very long time, is automatic updates. Now, uh, when you... MVDA is able to check for automatic updates every day. Uh, so it checks once a day, but you can also uh, manually check as well from the tools menu. If there is an update available for an installed copy, it will come up and ask you whether you want to download it and install it. All you need to do is say yes or no, and it will download it. Then it will tell you it's going to install it. And it does it all just pretty much behind the scenes. All you need to do is press enter once or twice, and, and it's all done for you pretty quick. Um, the portable version can also tell you if there are updates, but it will just tell you, it'll just download it for you. It doesn't actually sort of update your portable copy because this is um it's probably not too appropriate in a lot of portable situations to be updating portables right there and then wherever you are. So um, you can choose to do with what you will with the portable copy, but that's how that works. Um, I should also mention just one little side effect of having an auto update feature as much as it's really great for users and we can get updates out to people faster. There is one advantage and that is that we are able to now get some very good daily statistics of who and how many are using MVDA. Previously, we used to have to have um, uh, just go by download statistics, but we know there's a lot of people who download MVDA and you know might use it for one day and then forget about it or whatever. Um, but now we can actually see who is really using it every day, and there's some very interesting statistics coming out of that. And as more and more people start using 2012.2, um, those statistics are going to go up. Um, other features of 2012.2, uh, 
um, graphics in Microsoft Word. Now, you probably remember when I talked about the features in 2012.1, um, I mentioned that Microsoft Word, uh, our support for Microsoft Word had been majorly updated and it was um, much more performant and it gave you access to you know, headings and footnotes and lots of other things. To this, we've also now in 2012.2 added support for graphics. So if you've inserted some clip art into your document or a graphic or you know, a particular photo or whatever, um, NVDA will say graphic where it is and it will also, if there is alt, uh, alt text associated with that graphic, it will also read that as well. Um, and that's been uh, a feature that a lot of people have been asking for in the past. I will note, though, that this will only work with inline images, so-called inline images, which are, that's pretty much the normal way you would insert graphics into a Word document. But there are some graphics where uh, you can sort of uh, have them floating over the top of your document, sort of the same as those text boxes, which are rather inaccessible. Um, we won't be able to read those, but I think they're rather rare. So um, most of your images should, should read in Microsoft Word. Um, we've added two more um, commands to the quick commands for a uh, quick navigation for um, reading uh, web documents um, in browse mode. So now it's possible if you're in a table or a list or maybe a, a big multi-line edit field or a block quote, um, you're able to press comma to jump to the bottom of this um, container or shift comma to jump to the top of it. So but that's really useful. So, for instance, a particular example that I always like uh, to use with this is when you read Wikipedia articles. Um, for for I guess more than a year now, people have been placing these big sort of data tables at the top of the Wikipedia articles. Uh, and sometimes they're really really large. So now it's really nice to be able to, if you know you're in one of these, just press comma and you can jump straight to the bottom of it and keep on reading the text. Talk about uh, some of the improvements or additions. Uh, I noted uh, several. Things things that were mentioned about changes with the Metro apps, uh, new mm. access to the Metro apps and uh, IE10 in uh, Windows 8? Yes, yes, certainly. Okay, so for the past while, we've been working on making sure that we're able to work quite well with, with Windows 8, and we've been doing this slowly over a few releases. So um, I believe in even 2011.3 had a, a few little features for um, or fixes for Windows 8. 2012.1 had quite a few, but now 2012.2 has probably the most important, um, you could either call them features or bug fixes for, for Windows 8, and this is the fact that MVDA can now work um, rather well with, with Metro apps in Windows 8. Now, the real problem with, with Metro apps because of Microsoft's new security models and all that was that screen readers sort of designed the way they used to be, or at least in our case anyway, um, couldn't get access to a lot of the internals. So we couldn't do things like have browse mode documents. We couldn't have speaking typed characters um, and things like that. Now, uh, with quite a few headaches and code changes and stuff um, that we've had to do, we've, we've finally solved all those uh, issues. So now when you do use NVIDIA 2012.2 with a Metro app, uh, and NVDA is installed. Now that is one important thing. Portable copies of NVDA can't really work with Metro apps very well because of security issues. That's not something that we can ever fix. But if you have an installed copy anyway, uh, and you open a Metro app, um, browse mode will work and speak typed characters will work. Um, and all the general features of NVDA that you'd sort of expect in general situations all work now. Um, and the most, I guess the most important Metro app that this would be um, four would be Internet Explorer 10. 
Um, now, Internet Explorer 10 on Windows 8 can be run in two ways. One, you can sort of start it um, f sort of directly from program files or maybe you type in a web address in the run dialog or something. That will open up the, the normal IE, uh, Internet Explorer that everyone's used to. And that's always been really accessible and NVDA has worked with that. But then they added this new Metro Internet Explorer, which has started from the Windows 8 start screen. But because this uses the sort of the Metro security technology, um, this was completely inaccessible to NVDA, but because we've now enhanced our uh, Metro support, MV, uh, Internet Explorer 10, uh, Metro Internet Explorer 10 works exactly the same as the other Internet Explorer. So the look and feel for NVDA users will be exactly the same. You can use your quick nav, you can read your documents, you can do everything. It works all um, exactly how you're used to. So that was really, you know, we're really happy about um, getting that into 2012.2 because it was a big, I guess it was a rather big headache for us because there was such a big change to make. And we did have to change a lot of internals in NVDA to get that finally solved, but it's been done. Now, ongoing work with Metro apps will always be happening. Um, just because we say we have support, general support for Metro apps, I can't guarantee that, you know, you're going to have a great experience with absolutely every Metro app you get from the Windows store. Um, but, you know, let us know if there's a particular app that doesn't work right or whatever and we'll, you know, we can look into it if we have time. But um, in general, all the sort of the framework is now there to actually, um, you know, to, to work with Metro apps properly. So, so that's really the story with Windows 8, really. Um, yeah. You mentioned something I was just kind of curious of. Um, how, how are things going? Uh, are, are we going to have pretty good access to the, to the App Store or whatever uh, when that comes along in 8? Is that looking pretty good? It's all right. Um, it's, it'll feel like a web document, like a browse mode document. Um, it's... I, look, it's probably not the best interface in the world, I'd say, um, but I think we're all used to complex web pages and stuff by now. Um, if we you know, are, so, we better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, like it's all it's all doable. You know, you just find the thing you want. I mean, so it's it's maybe not as simple as maybe what you might be used to, say, with an iPhone or something with Air apps with the Apple App Store. But um, I'm sure things will improve um, for, in both NVDA and and in the Windows Store. Um, but look, it's certainly, you know, it's, I, um, I've certainly had success downloading and installing or buying and, and installing apps. So, you know, things seem to be working okay. Okay. Um, some changes with Excel and how things are read in Excel. Yes. Um, so for a long time now, people have been asking if we can reverse the order of information that's spoken when you move around cells in Excel. Previously, it was always the cell coordinates and then the, the text of the cell. Um, we've now reversed this, so it's now the text of the cell and then the cell coordinates, which allows you to get to the information much faster. Um, but it's also, we've also sort of integrated it into our, into our sort of generalized code that handles tables and table cells, even the same sort of code that works on the web. So what this means to the user is that you can actually now even turn off your cell coordinates by going to the document formatting settings dialog and unchecking the report table cell coordinates, and that will stop it from reading the cell coordinates at all in Excel. Um, just be aware, though, that there are some, I know there are some people who have turned off reporting of table cell coordinates a long time ago because they didn't like it on the web or something and they've forgotten about it for years. And now they're starting to use Excel and all it's saying is cell, cell, cell and nothing else. Um, and they think Excel's broken or something. You'll need to turn on report table cell coordinates. Um, this is 
uh, and, and it will start saying your A1, B2 and all that again. Um, but it's it's useful to know that you can turn it off if, if you don't want that. So that's what we've done with Excel. Um, the One of the things that I am really impressed with is the new add-ons, add-ons manager. And uh, I was experimenting with that and adding some things this morning. And not only am I impressed with how well it works, I'm impressed with the number of add-ons that are there for the short time that you've really been dealing with add-ons, wow, <laughs> it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so so for a long time now, people have been able to, to I, I guess, write custom code or scripts for MVDA, but it was very, we had all different sort of ways of doing it. There were app modules, there were global plugins, there were synth drivers, there were brow display drivers, and you could write all those. Now, these still all exist. This is, you know, that that will never change but we thought we needed a way to sort of package those things into an easy to you know an easy to use file that you and that you could install from within mvda rather than having to go to your user configuration directory directory and manually copy things into the right places and all that it was all very messy so now that's all been automated so now what you do is um if you find an mvda add-on that you like online and these NVDA add-ons uh, are files with a .nvda-add-on file extension. And if you download it, then inside NVDA, you go to Tools and Manage Add-ons. And inside that, you can press uh, the Install button, um, and it allows you to browse for an add-on file that you've downloaded. Choose the file. It asks you whether you're sure, and it installs it. Now, however, after you have installed it, you do need to restart NVDA for it to really take effect. And so, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about this, these add-ons because it really does sort of cement really uh, a good way of providing custom code in a nice way to users. And so the first one that NV Access at least made sure was was there was our um, the OCR um, plugin that, that James Tay uh, wrote. Um, we've made sure that that's been converted to an add-on and and that seems to be working rather well. And as you've said, there's plenty of other add-ons that the community has also done. And a lot of these have previously existed just as sort of custom code, but now they've been properly packaged into these into these add-ons, and it's hopefully a lot easier for people to manage now. I should point out, though, that if anyone does have old sort of, you know, the, the custom app modules or global plugins in their user configuration directory, they won't show up in the add-on manager. Um, so it's probably best to remove those and and go and download a, a new add-on packaged version if it exists. It looked like uh, what I what I've seen so far. It looked like pretty much all of them uh, that I've seen. Uh, there is an add-on uh, for it. Once I was yeah. About well, it's quite. It, look, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, you you need to know. You know, obviously, you probably need to be a code developer to. To, uh, for the reason why you would make an add-on, but but even sure. for any of the developers, actually packaging the add-on isn't isn't too hard at all. Um, and we detail how to do that in our developer guide, which you can find in the development section of our website. I was a little curious about, and, and it said that the the bug was fixed, but um, I was curious about the problem with uh, documents that took a while to load into Word and some issues with that. Ah, yes, yes, that was a particular bug that this was introduced with our, when we introduced our uh, new sort of performance real fully featured uh, word support in 2012.1, um, it did introduce a bug where if you, if it was to read a lot of text in one go that took a really long time to fetch from Microsoft Word. So for an example, if it was a really 
uh, can't really think of a good example, but I noticed that some people were finding this at the top of table of contents and things oh, like okay. that, where okay. NVIDIA would suddenly, or Microsoft Word would suddenly freeze. Um, this, I, I hope, it certainly should have been fixed in 2012.2, certainly for, with my testing it has been. So um, it's still, in those situations, it'll still be pretty slow, but at least it's not going to fully sort of freeze and fall over and then you know, die. <laughs> um, we have fixed that part of it. So, yeah, it's not going to destroy it for the rest of the document, which is good. Uh, yes. So, are are you are you thinking that? Um, and, and I'm assuming you're probably testing in the the new uh, Windows 8 uh, release preview that just came out. Or mm-hmm. yes, and, that's correct. And and are we looking like we're pretty close to being ready to hit it full? There's a few little things, just a few little random things that I'm currently working on or we're, we're currently working on at the moment. So in Windows 8, they have these new things called toast notifications, which are sort of like help balloons, but they're in a very particular place on the screen all the time. Um, we needed to support those specifically. That's supported in the, the our main snapshots at the moment. That didn't get into 2012.2, but that will certainly be in 2012.3. Um, so there's there's those, and they are pretty important. These toast notifications every time you plug in a device or you a download completes in the Windows Store and things like that, uh, they need to be read. So we've added support for that in our main snapshots, and um, we're of course working on touch support. I should mention and thank, of course, Samsung Australia uh, very recently donated um, a a Series 7 Slate PC to NV Access so that we're able to actually properly work on touch support. So this device, it looks, I guess, it's the sort of almost the same size as an iPad. It's just a little bit bigger, certainly okay. the same thickness. And um, and it runs Windows 8 and, um, and it's all, you know, it has a touch screen on it and everything. And um, it's a really nice device to carry around. I love to use it on the train and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, um, it's now allowing us to, to finally write our support for touch. So this means that you'll be able to control NVDA purely with a touch screen. So there'll be particular gestures or whatever you can perform. So, if, you know, say you'll be able to do object navigation by flicking left and right and up and down and things like that. Or you can just drag your finger around the screen and it will read the text under, the, under your finger. Things like that. Um, and so we're a pretty good, fair way there already with the support. Um, I showed this support off in MV Access's last podcast, which I guess we can mention at the end where to get that. But um, um, And, uh, yeah, it seems to be uh, going quite well. So we would hope, I'm hoping by the release of Windows 8 in October that we would have that touch support in, in NVDA Um because it's pretty important because there's going to be a lot of these devices that will come without keyboards. So you're going to be, you know, you're going to need to be able to use your, your device just with touch. So, so is your impression that um, when eight comes out, will there be a special version for tablets or is that going to be built into the main version? You think? Um, Windows 8 from the ground up has been designed very much for tablets almost before PCs. Okay. Um, so you'll notice a lot of the dialog boxes and, and all the sort of the graphical user interface is much more touch-friendly, which can cause a bit of a problem, I guess, for learning it as a, as a blind person because a lot of the things where you used to use tab or left and right arrow and now up and down arrow and, you know, really strange things that seem strange at first, but if you think about it from a touchscreen point of view, it's laid out a lot nicer. So, yeah, there is only one version for your tablets and your PCs. Okay. Um, having said that, though, they have to be pretty 
pretty powerful tablets, though. We're not talking. Oh yeah. You know, um, you'll and I. I mean, talking about price for a second, this, I believe this Samsung Slate PC would be going for about $1,400, I think. So you're still talking double an iPad or something like that. Okay. Right. So you're not, so it's still, you still got to think of these Windows 8 devices as laptops, but they will look like tablets, if you know what I mean. Sure. sure. Um, and I mean, I, I personally like the idea that, that I can have a very advanced tablet. Some people don't like that fact, you know, because I think takes up too much power or it's too expensive or whatever. But I, I like the fact that I can use my touchscreen, but I can also do all the normal things I would with a laptop, mm-hmm. you know, have really good, you know, abilities to read complex web documents or listen to all my, you know, well, you just use more, all my normal Windows apps, you know what I mean? So it right. what you like and what you don't. It'll work for some, won't work for others. So, yeah. Well, the, uh, the, um, yeah. I guess the thing that I've always, that's kind of always disappointed me a little bit is when you look at the, uh, like the iPad, you know, it, it's, it's, it's nice, but uh, it's still a one gigahertz processor. <laughs> and that is what it is, you know. Yeah, but I, but then in some ways, I think that's all it needs to be with the iPad at least anyway, right, as in right. because it's a very simple design and it's all sort of locked in, um, there's not that there's not that idea that you would be able to, you know, wanting to run all these kind of, well, you know, I guess equivalent sort of Windows apps or whatever on them. Um, You know, it's all locked into just the App Store. And I guess that's what Windows 8 is trying to do as well with your Metro apps and all that from the Windows Store. But um, I don't know, I'm certainly still going to be using the desktop part of Windows for quite a while. Yeah, I'm not willing to stick with Metro all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it'll it'll be kind of nice because... uh... It sounds like from what you're saying, we may get um, with the tablets, we may at least get our portability down to maybe a bit smaller size and still have some power, real power there. Exactly. I mean, as I said, this this one I've got at the moment is, is not too much bigger than an iPad. It's a little bit wider, maybe, mm-hmm. um, to get sort of a better screen ratio. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I love the fact that I can carry around my bag when I'm walking to the train station, things like that, you know, and it's not, you know, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty light person and don't have a very good back and, you know, carrying all these, you know, equipment around at school and all that, you know, was really bad. But now, you know, carrying such a small device is much nicer. That sounds, sounds really, it sounds really exciting. <laughs> it is. I think there's big changes ahead, you know, I think. And this is why certainly we as MV Access really want to embrace all this touch stuff because it's just the way everything's going. We want to make sure sure that we're on board with it all and see where it goes. 2012.2 has only been out for, um, what's the date? The 12th. So for four days and um, we're averaging on 1,800 people per day using MBDA. So that's not downloading, that's actually using every day. That's fantastic. yeah. So, you know, and this ranges from, you know, we, we have, we're in about a hundred countries now. Um, the top one, interestingly enough, is always the US at about 17%. Um, and then, you know, it goes on Brazil's our second top country. Wow. Um, and then goes sort of Germany, Italy, Spain and all that. Um, and we, um, oh, I can talk about, if you're interested, I can talk about um, support for East Asian languages. That's something that we're going to be um, doing in 2012.3 um, because we've actually received funding uh, from the Taiwan uh, Digital Talking Books Association and the Hong Kong Blind Union and that has enabled us to uh, integrate support for sort of typing Chinese characters and other Asian characters and that's something that's been holding 
a lot of users back in these countries with MVDA um, because we didn't very well support it. There were some versions of MVDA that Asian-specific versions of MVDA that had been made with this support in it, um, but we really wanted we really want to see this mm-hmm. support being made uh, into into um, into into our main main version so that it can get out to everyone. Because I mean, imagine you know, say you might have someone in America wishing to learn just learn Chinese at school or something, and they'll need to be able to type in right. Chinese characters. And I saw uh, you had a new language. You had Greek as a new language. Yes, that's true. Yes, yep. We well, I guess we get new languages one or two every release. Now, I, I have suppose, a question, but yeah, it's great to see the Greek. Mm-hmm. I have a question for mm-hmm. you in that mm-hmm. regard. Uh, here, several years ago, um, I am an assistive technology specialist, and so I get to work with a lot of different people doing a lot of different things. And I had somebody who was working on his doctorate in theology, and mm-hmm. ha- and one of the languages he was well, he was required to know. Um, eight languages and be a proficient reader in five out of the eight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm glad it was him. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if you, let's say you're like, you were using NVDA and you were using something like um, OmniPage and Mm -hmm. you were scanning some Greek documents, Mm -hmm. would NVDA be able to, to, to read those, you think? It would um, in either two ways. One, if you actually set your um, set your synthesizer to, to Greek, um, or manually, or uh, if the if the application was smart enough, it may actually be able to tell NVDA what language it is. So, for instance, on the web, if you find some Greek text mm-hmm. and it's marked up properly on the web um, mm-hmm. with the HTML, NVDA should switch into into Greek as long as your synthesizer supports Greek. Okay. So, um, so that's really useful. So, for instance, like with Wikipedia articles, if I, you know, like I have an interest in uh, Mandarin Chinese because my, my wife and therefore my children speak it. Um, and so, you know, I'm constantly reading about stuff like that and I can read Wikipedia articles and, and NVDA will automatically just switch into to Mandarin in the appropriate places oh, um, okay. Okay. and speak those um, if it's marked up correctly. I mean, not all websites sure. are, but most of Wikipedia seems to be, so that's good, you know. Okay. And, and other things, Google searches, I think sometimes are in the correct language and things like that. So, yeah. Um, so, for, so um, for those particularly interested in, in what's happening with NVDA all the time, um, MV Access is now producing a podcast uh when we have the time they've interestingly enough there have been three all in one month but that that was because or actually in a month and a half but that was because it took us a while to release the very first one but um we are mainly concentrating on new releases in that podcast but also some general things so for instance as i mentioned before um i demonstrated our touch support uh in one of the podcasts you can get to our podcasts by uh, you can find them in itunes or in iBlink radio just search for mv access in in itunes at least iBlink radio it's pretty easy to find um and you can also get to it from our blog uh we usually so if you go to just on our news page if we go if you go to uh, www.nvda-project.org, which is where you can download MVDA and also read news and stuff about it. Um, we'll also um, usually mention podcasts there when they come available, um, and we'll also mention it on Twitter and Facebook and all that. Um, and hey, if you do use Facebook, come and like NV Access on Facebook. We'd love to have more people following us there. And I think we're up to about 100. It's rather small, about 145 
people on our page on Facebook. But and um, you are you scrolling? <laughs> you, and you're on Twitter also. Yes, we're on Twitter. Um, so you can find uh, we're we're at NV Access with no space. Um, and we all on Twitter. We also mention new releases. We mention sometimes we mention some you know updates, um, some daily statistics and things like that. Just lots of interesting things that. Um, yeah. Um, and so as I said, yep. Go on. Could a, could a person use a podcatcher to catch your to get your uh, podcast? Yes, we we do now have a podcast feed. It, it took a while for us to set it all up. Um, <laughs> we're we're probably pretty good at developing screen readers, but when it came <laughs> to um, working out how to do a podcast, it took us quite a while. <laughs> but I think we have worked it out now, so that's good. Um, so that's there. Yeah. So you can um. From any blog post which means on our website which mentions the actual podcast, um, you should you can either go if your web browser supports it, you should be able to subscribe to the like there should be like a live feed or whatever, or you can um, I think we do mention the actual URL. We certainly have on Twitter and stuff, and you can put that into your podcatcher or as I say, you can search for us on iTunes or, or whatever as well. Okay. Um, so I guess I can talk a little bit again about MV Access. Um, MV Access uh, is um, the organization that, that I guess is behind MVDA, supports it and does 90% of the development. So um, myself and James Tay um, both both work for MV Access and are developers. And, um, and that's really what MV Access's job is, is to make sure that MVDA continues and make sure all the developments are happening. And also we also seek funding from various bodies to make sure that we can continue what we're doing. Um, because donations are certainly a very important part of what we do. So we, we really um, request that if people are using MVDA and find it useful um, and that they can, if they could donate, you know, even even something small, 5 or $10 um, can, can make a difference. Um, and we'd also love to see more monthly subscribers, uh, donation subscribers as well. That'd be great. At the moment, we have about 40 monthly subscribers. Um, just an interesting statistic here. If we had 2,000 subscribers, well, we would be um, we would be able to work on MVDA and not have to worry about any other funding at all. And we could we wouldn't have to do you know because look, a lot of working looking for funding and stuff takes up a lot of administrative time for for Jamie and myself. And you know where we could be actually just spending time doing the the, the important stuff for users, which is development. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, but but at the end of the day, though, MVDA will always remain free. Um, but you know, for those who can donate, uh, we're very very much appreciative. Um, I'd also like to acknowledge uh, Adobe Systems and Mozilla uh, Corporation, which are also um, providing us with with annual funding, which keeps us going as well. That's great. Okay, and uh, give us those the web address for uh, the main page, and uh, I think that. You can pretty much get to anything else, downloads or add-ons and that, from the main page, if I'm right. That's correct, yes. So the main the main page is www.nvda-project.org. And yep, you can certainly get to the downloads and news. Um, develop Even if you're interested in development, you know, there's a development section on that website, which tells you how you can contribute to the main code or you can make add-ons or whatever. Um, and if you're interested in NV Access, you can go to www.nvaccess.org. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on to Main Menu and talking about the new release and and the uh, NV Access and so forth. And I wish you the best of luck with it. We'll be looking forward to the next release even. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, thanks. Main Menu.
pre-registration for the 2012 ACB Conference and Convention is just around the corner. Pre-register for the first ACB Leadership Institute, a day of growth and leadership training, on July 6, 2012. This day-long workshop is designed to give emerging leaders within local, state, and special interest affiliates tools to inspire confident leadership. You will learn about everything from running effective meetings and improving communication skills to effective fundraising techniques and funds management. Members of ACB affiliates may apply to take part in this unique opportunity. This session is limited to 50 persons. If you are someone who wants to take a greater role in ACB or one of its affiliates, but don't know where to start, or if you aren't sure just what to do, this workshop is absolutely for you. Attendees will become the backbone of the Leadership Institute and will be encouraged to share similar training in their home area. Attendance is limited to 50 persons, so be sure to pre-register for this fabulous opportunity. The cost is $50 per person, which includes lunch and all training materials. Make your plans now to join us in Louisville, Kentucky on July 6th at the Galt House Hotel for the first Leadership Institute of the American Council of the Blind. For further information about this groundbreaking opportunity, please contact Burl Colley, Chair of the Leadership Institute Committee, at blc0901 at comcast.net or call 360-438-0072. Main menu. The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. Welcome to this demonstration of using your Mac as an external Bluetooth keyboard to your iOS device, whether your iOS device be an iPad, an iPhone, or an iPod Touch. And basically the way it works is that you pair your Mac with your iOS device, of course turning Bluetooth on on your Mac and making your Mac discoverable so that both your iOS and Mac devices can pair with each other. Then you go to the Mac App Store and download an application called Type to Phone, which is all one word, T-Y-P-E-T-O-P-H-O-N-E. Run the application on your Mac, and once you go into the application and turn VoiceOver off on your Mac, whatever you type into that application, the Type to Phone application, will then appear in an edit field on your iOS device, such as Notes, etc., you can also use the navigation features of VoiceOver also on your iPhone, iPod Touch or iPad. Sometimes it gets a little bit messy and the keys don't often work, but it definitely does work. So let me say basically that I've got my MacBook Pro turned on, VoiceOver is running. I've already paired my Mac to, in this case, my iPhone 4S. I've downloaded and installed the application and I just want to show you a couple of things about the application before I demonstrate it to you. So let's first of all start on the Mac by going to the desktop with Shift VOD 
of course the VO keys being the control and option keys for voiceover. So shift VOD or shift control option D. Desktop Macintosh HD volume. Okay, now let me go to my applications folder to get into type to phone. Applications, applications window. It's going to type in TYP. T type 2 phone dot app. April 1, 3, 2, type 2 phone, type 2 phone window. David's VAI phone button. Okay, now I've basically set up this so that it automatically reconnects on launch to my iPhone in this case. So if I do command comma to bring up preferences. Preferences window. Automatically reconnect upon launch. Check checkbox. Okay, so I've checked on automatically reconnect at launch. So every time I run the type to go application, it reconnects automatically to my iPhone. You may not wish to do that, so you can definitely have it unchecked, which I believe it is by default, because you can actually set up type to phone to use a number of different iOS devices, i.e. the iPad, the iPhone or the iPod touch. So basically I've got mine only using at the moment with my iPhone, since I use my iPhone the most. So let me just do command W to close that preferences window. Type to phone window. David's VAI phone. Okay, now I've currently got voiceover running. So I'm going to turn it off on my Mac. Voiceover off. And if I now press my just my right arrow key on my Mac keyboard. Clock. Okay, there's my iPhone. Reminders. And of course, as you can hear, I've got my hints turned off. Settings. Notes. Now what I find is when you do two keys at once, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So if I wanted to select my notes application, of course, with QuickNav, it's up and down arrow together. So I'll do that now. Notes. 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 Seven. Okay, now as you Accounts. can tell, the Back first button. time I did that, it just said notes again. That was only the second time that it actually activated me pressing the up and down arrow keys. So let me just press my right arrow key. Notes. Add button. Okay, to the add button. Again, up and down to select it on the Mac keyboard, of course. Add. Note. Text field. Okay, now I find when I'm typing, I like to turn QuickNav off. So I'll do that now on the Mac keyboard. So that course with QuickNav to turn it off, it's left and right arrow together. QuickNav off. Okay, so QuickNav's off. Okay, so I type in a test sentence. This. This is, is a, a test, test of, of an, an app, app on my Mac, Mac talking, talking to, to my, my iPhone. iPhone. Okay, new line, new line. David. David. Okay, I'm just going to press the app arrow. David, new line, talking to my iPhone. This is a test of an app on my Mac. Okay, so that's purely me using my MacBook keyboard to type into the Notes app on my iPhone. Okay, so let me just show you quickly how you can paste text from your Mac onto an app in your iPhone. So I'm just going to do Command A. Select all. Okay, press delete. Selection deleted. Got rid of that. I'm going to turn voiceover back on on my Mac. Voiceover on. Type to phone. Type to. Command Tab to get the text edit. Text edit. Text edit. And I just typed in the quick brown fox and other stuff, just for something silly to paste. So I'm going to do Command A to copy everything. The quick brown fox jumped over. And command C to copy the clipboard. Copy. And command tab to get back to type to phone. Type to phone. Type to phone. And I don't need voiceover running on my Mac again. So command F5 turn voiceover off. Voiceover off. 
and to paste it it's not command V it's actually shift command V okay now because I've, the cursor is now moved down towards the bottom or is at the bottom of that text I've just pasted it's up arrow to go back up the end period new line come to the aid of party now is the time for all good men to the quick one FX jumped over tell AZD misspelled <laughs> didn't quite type it in properly but never mind so that's basically how to copy and paste stuff to the iPhone. So some other special functions you can do with type to phone. Let me first of all turn voiceover back on the Mac. Voice over on type to phone. Type to phone. So let me go to the menu bar with VOM or control option M. Menu bar Apple. Come over to the special menu. Type to phone. VO Roger control option arrow. File. Edit. View. Special. Okay. VO down control option arrow. Special menu. Function keys. Submenu. You can activate function keys down again. Consumer keys. Submenu. Consumer keys underneath that. You've got VO space bar control option. Consumer keys. Submenu. Brightness down. Okay, got brightness down. And of course I'm going to do VO down control option down to go through this menu. Brightness up. Brightness up. Lock. Lock, lock the iPhone. Home. Press the home button on the iPhone. Toggle keyboard. Toggle keyboard. Skip backward. Skip backwards. Play slash pause. Play slash pause. Skip forward. Skip forward. And of course, that's to do with the music up on your iPhone, iPad or iPod Touch. Mute. Mute. Volume down. Volume down or volume up. Volume up. So, for example, let's go back up to home. Volume. Mute. Skip for Play slash. Skip back. Toggle key. Home. Okay. And let's activate home by doing VO spacebar, control from spacebar. Home. Notes. Okay, and there we go. I actually got back to my home screen out of the notes application by activating it via the type to phone application running on my Mac. So that's a really quick demonstration of using the type to phone application on the Mac to type into my iOS device. I find it makes me a little bit more efficient because really I can keep my hands on my keyboard and use two devices at the same time. All I really have to do is toggle voiceover on and off on the Mac to be able to type in to type to phone to then navigate on my iPhone. If you've got any other questions about Apple accessibility, please contact the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia on 1300 847 466. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week and we'll see you soon.